Hey, thank you for that beautiful hymnal that you just sang or just played over there during the offertory. Proverbs 18, we're going to look at this verse one more time and then I'm going to get into some teaching on this. And uh, we do have a number of people that are gone. Pray for Miss Tina. She flew out Wednesday to go to the Philippines to see her daughter and her grandkids, her son-in-law. They're going to spend several weeks there. She'll be gone about three weeks. So we miss her, but I know she's having a wonderful time with her family over there in the Philippines. Long flight, took her about two days to get there. Did not envy that, but, but I know she's in a beautiful place. Also, Brother Mike, has a, he's going to be driving trucks for a while out in Texas. He's going to be gone for, I guess, about six weeks. So he's in Texas now, right? So we miss Brother Mike and uh, pray for him. And then uh, the, the Riles, the, this is their time of year that they're gone doing their circuit of shows. And so we miss the Riles. They'll all be back, and we'll see them again shortly. But uh, our, our thoughts are with them. I hope that they're doing well. All right, Proverbs 18. Are you there? Say amen. Now, this one verse, verse number 19, is a very important verse. It says, a brother offended. Let me just stop right off the bat and look at that word brother. Now, the Bible uses brotherly love as an example of enduring love. And for instance, we know that the Philadelphia church, the name Philadelphia means and interprets brotherly love. We know that the church ought to be an example of brotherly love. Now, how many of you have a brother? If you've got a brother, you understand that a brother, that is a tight relationship. Now, I think the same thing could be said about a sister and sisters. Uh, I think that those are tight relationships. Now, they're usually imperfect relationships, but strong nonetheless. There are things that brothers can say to a brother that anybody else would get a fat lip for saying it. Or there are things that a brother can say to you that he would give someone else a fat lip for saying it about you. There's honesty, there's transparency, there is forgiveness, there is mercy, there is endurance. I have two younger brothers. We shared a bedroom until I was 18 years old. Three boys in one bedroom. There are, I, I, you know, sometimes I have nightmares about it. It was, it was, it was a, a very daunting experience sometimes. My brothers were twins, and uh, mom and dad had top bunks for them, and I had a little bunk over in the other corner. And man, 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 we, we sometimes got into it. Sometimes we get into arguments and sometimes fusses and sometimes mom and dad have to break us up. But I'll tell you, more than anything, if we were known, if anybody tangled with one Riggs boy, they had to tangle with all three of us. Sometimes kids in the neighborhood would pick on one of my brothers. They just knew it was a standard rule. If you fight one Riggs, you've got to fight all three of them. Now the reality is, we didn't have to fight very much. Nobody really messed with us because there was too many of us. But that's brotherly love. It's strong. It's protective. It's merciful. There are times that I remember my brothers getting in trouble, and I remember that they deserved to get in trouble. What they had done was wrong, but I remember in my heart hoping that they would receive mercy, hoping that they wouldn't get the full extent of punishment, hoping they wouldn't get in trouble with mom and dad or at school, or hoping whatever it is that's going to happen to them, that they'd go light on them. How many of you remember feeling that way for your brother or your sister? I remember feeling that way often. And I remember times when one of them was getting a spanking that I would feel sad in my heart that they were getting in trouble. I was never glad to see something bad. My brother Danny's wife just had surgery. By the way, thanks for praying for her. The word has come back that it, she's not going to have to have any chemo. They do believe they got it all out on this first pass, so praise the Lord. But man, I called my brother all through the week checking on him, and he'd, we'd call me, he'd call me, we called each other. We live 1,500 miles apart. But man, my heart, I told Danny, I said, Danny, I sure wish I could just sit in that, in that, I wish I could be there in that waiting room with you. I feel so bad that you're there and I can't be there. Now, he had other family around him, 
But I wanted to be there with him. It just wasn't possible. But my heart was, and I called him regularly and checked on him and prayed for him and did everything I could to help him. Things that I would not normally have done for other people, but I was forced into action for my love for my brother. Things that I would not have done, but I was led to do. I led in some fundraising to help him because he works at a church and he did not have insurance at the time that this happened. So I led in the effort to get some churches in Florida to try to send some love offerings, and many of them did. And, and I haven't gotten into a lot of that. I haven't done that, but it was my brother. Brotherly love leads you to do things that you may not always do. How many of you agree with what I'm saying? So he says, you have offended a brother. We're not talking about some acquaintance that you know, somebody you barely know, or some guy that lives down the road, or some guy you work with and you're forced to be around. He is saying, if you offend a brother, now we understand in the Christian realm, whenever it says a brother, what is it referring to? A fellow Christian. Now, we see here, if a brother is offended, this is somebody that we're close to, somebody that we have a connection to, not just some stranger, but somebody that we love. A brother offended is harder to be won than a strong city. He is warning that no matter how strong the relationship is, if you offend somebody, it's hard to win them back. If you hurt somebody that you love, it is hard to win them back. It's hard for it to ever go back to being the way it was. It's hard for it to ever come back and be completely repaired. How many of you, be honest, you've hurt somebody you love at some point in your life? We do. Now, be honest. I'm not talking about somebody you barely liked or barely knew. I'm talking about a brother, a strong relationship. Whether it be with your wife or your kids or your best friend, maybe a family member. How many of you purposely set out to hurt that person? Raise your hand. Now, just about every one of you, some of you say I did, and that was what we call spite. We'll deal with that in a minute. But most of you, everybody raised their hand and by the way, you're not alone, Heather. I'm raising my hand. There's times I've done something out of spite. Just anger made my decision, not common sense or spirituality. And, and that's going to that's be a part of what we talk about. Everybody pretty much raised their hand for the first question, I have hurt somebody. Very few people raised their hand that they ever did it on purpose. Now, let me ask you this. If you say out of the, maybe take all the times you've hurt somebody. Let's just say a number, a hundred. Would it be fair to say that 95% of the time you did it accidentally and not on purpose? Sometimes it's on purpose. You meant to hurt them. What you said hurt and you meant for it to hurt, you wanted it to hurt. A lot of times because they hurt you first. You wanted to hurt them back. Well, most of the time when we have hurt people or offended people, and by the way, i got to slap at this because i got to. I can't let it go. The word offended here, we're thinking about, we're living in a day and age right now where people are offended all the time. You ever notice that being offended is a sign of being a weak person? How many of you have got a younger sibling, like a little sister, a little brother? Did you ever have an argument? I got a little sister named Cindy. I was 11 when she was born. And I remember times that we would get into arguments with her, and I'm 11 years her senior. We'd be in the living room. One time I came in. Cindy was watching a cartoon. I came in from playing basketball. I came in. I didn't ask her. I didn't even notice her. She was sitting over there in a chair watching her favorite cartoon. I just came in and turned the channel, turned it to the NBA basketball game that was on. 
I plopped down, started watching it. Cindy did not say a word. This is a true story. If she was here, she would nod her head. This is true. She got up without saying a word, went into the kitchen. She was about, I guess, about close to three, I guess. Maybe, maybe younger, two and a half, three years old. She got a glass off the counter. She came in and hit me in the back of the head and broke that glass with that. I'm sitting there and I feel this sharp pain. Bam! And I look up and she's running in her little diaper, her little, little toddler diaper down the hall. So I had a basketball. I just, like a bowling ball, man, I hurled that ball. She was running. It hit her right behind the legs and she flipped up and fell down. And I said, what are you crazy? What are you doing? She goes, I was watching TV first. She was, and in her little baby talk, she didn't speak that well, but basically the jest was, she was mad that I turned her channel. And I remember, buddy, we, mom came out, what in the world? And of course, Cindy's crying. Immediately, I started crying. Didn't hurt that bad, but I started crying because, you know, I can't, I got to show mom that I've been injured here, you know? So I'm crying and she's crying. Mom's like, Rusty, really? She's two and you're 13. Are you really going to argue with her like you're on her level? And you know, she didn't get in any trouble, and I'm the one that got yelled at. And the reality is, there was an expectation in her maturity level that the stronger should have overlooked and gave in to the weaker. There was many times her mother would say, guys, she's a baby. Can't you just let it go? How many of you have ever been in something like that? You go into the boss, and you've been there 20 years, and there's a new employee who's offended you. The boss looks at you like, you know, be the bigger guy. Doesn't that make you mad? You know, rules ought to be the same all the way across, but reality is there's an expectation on stronger people to overlook weaker people. And you run around offended all the time. Listen to me, it's a sign that you're weak in your spirit. It really is. You ever notice that Stronger people cannot really get away with being offended. Don't be that guy running around with your feelings hurt all the time. Don't be that woman running around at church with your feelings hurt all the time. It's a sign that you are a weak-spirited person. Look, even in church, there's mature church members that I would expect to rise above sometimes the immature church members. Somebody's having a fight or an argument, there are times that I would tell a mature Christian, look, for the sake of this baby Christian, why don't you let this go? Just be the bigger person. But she offended me. I know it. You need to be stronger than this, though. You need to be stronger than letting somebody like this... Look, you know, I was never intimidated by my little two-year-old sister. You understand? We need to get over this thing, this American culture that we've developed of people having their feelings hurt all the time. I see it on Facebook... I see it in the, the parodies of our politics. It seems like every day somebody's happened to make some big apology because they've inadvertently said something that has offended somebody. Don't get into that. That is not strength. That is weakness. Can I get a witness on that? Now, we see here a brother offended. It's harder to be one than a city, than a strong city. He's saying your chances of taking over a city and conquering it are greater than when you've offended a brother. Remember, brother, strong relationship. This is not somebody you barely know, somebody you know well. But if you've hurt them, if you've offended them, the chances of you sacking and conquering a city are often greater than you winning that person back. 
if that is true, and it's in the Bible, so I'm just going to stand with the Bible. Who's with me on that? How many of you believe that verse to be a true description? Now, let's be honest. How many of you have ever offended someone to the point that there is no relationship there now? And my hand is up legitimately. Whether I meant to or not, there are people who were my friends who now are not. They used to speak well of me, now they have nothing good to say. I hate that. I wish it weren't that way. We've all got it. What that means is, is whether you meant to or not, if you offend someone, there will be people who will become ex-relationships. People who no longer desire to know you. It's hard to win them back. Hard to win them back. Now, the title of this sermon is The Road to Regret in a Relationship. I was watching where somebody had sent me a video of a bus recently in the floods. It was an area that was being flooded, and he was picking up kids on a school bus, and he came to an area where the water was running over the road. And You see where he stops for a moment and looks at it, then makes the decision to drive across. As he started going across, you could see where the bus literally gets into water up to the hood quickly, and then all of a sudden you see the bus float, and you see it start to turn, and then you see it, he's got it on the dash cam as that bus is then swept down the river. Now, thank the Lord, nobody was killed. They were rescued by first responders that came and got them and the children out. But, buddy, it could have been a very, very horrible situation. And kids have been killed often in those kinds of things. People have been killed in these washouts. The driver was arrested because... Being in the duty that he held, he should have used more, you know, common sense and should not have put the kids at risk. In any case, when I was reading through it, studying it a little bit, he talked about how he regretted going down that road. You know, there's a lot of people on a road to regret in their relationships. They're on a road that's going to end with some great regret if they don't come to some realizations of things they are doing in those relationships. And... When counseling people, I often see regret come up a lot. Now, let me define regret for you so that you know what I'm talking about. The word regret is what I'm speaking about is the truth seen when it's too late to fix it. The truth seen when it's too late to fix it. A lot of people end up on a road to regret. I'll hear words like, I didn't realize I was hurting my mother I didn't realize I was hurting my wife. I didn't realize I was hurting my sister. Or, if only I had done this. Or, if only I had known. If only I had made this decision. Or, the big, I wish I had done this. I wished I had spent more time with my wife. I wish I had realized my husband was unhappy. Or, the really big, if I had it to do over. Man, I'd have done it different. Those are all words that come from a regretful heart. A regretful heart. Now I want to point out the road to regret relationships. These are mindsets that many people use that will lead them to a regretful destination. If you are using these mindsets as you approach whatever relationship it is, I don't care if it's your wife, your husband, your kids, your mom, your dad, your brothers and sisters, or your best of friends. If you don't change these mindsets, there's going to be a point where you're going to be looking at a certain relationship and you're going to have regret in your heart. You're going to wish you could fix it, but it's going to be too late to fix. Now, what are those things? Let me give them to you quickly here. The first one is simply this, if you want to write it down. It's the mindset that there will always be time later. 
There will always be time later. A lot of people have procrastinated themselves right out of marriages, parenting, friendships, relationships of all types. We look at our kids and we think there will always be time to watch them play sports later. We look at our kids, there will always be time to watch them play at the playground later. Well, I'm busy and I'm tired right now. There will always be time to teach my son to fish later. It's not true. That clock stops for no one. And I'm going to tell you something, in child-rearing years, you know how when I'm preaching and I say I'm going to be done in five minutes and 30 minutes later I have you bow your heads? Has that ever happened? It's never happened? I've seen it happen. I don't think I do it, but I, I know I do it. But it's funny how preaching minutes are different than listening minutes. Am I right about that? Or playing minutes are different from school. You know, you ever notice how the school hour goes by so fast? I'm sorry, it goes by so slow? Then the lunch break hour would go by like in minutes? That, that theory of relative. Child-rearing time goes by fast. Doesn't seem like it. When we dropped our daughter off at college, that was one of the things I greatly struggled with driving home. I just kept thinking to myself, where has the time gone? In my mind, she should be a little six-year-old girl that I'm dropping off for a bunking party, not to go to college. Now, I praise the Lord, and Christy and I worked hard to make our kids, you know, we were taught we had good teachers. I, I, don't, I don't have regrets. I didn't, you know, I didn't, I wasn't that dad that, that didn't go to her volleyball games and didn't do things to be involved with her life. But even with all the involvement that Christy and I have had, we both wished we had more time with her being at home. It went by fast. And I know there were times that things came at me very fast, and I remember thinking, well, it's okay if we don't do this today, there'll be another time to do it. And sometimes two, three years can pass between the doing. You may take your daughter out for a daddy-daughter date. And then before you realize it, three years have passed. You're thinking, just the other day I took her over to, to McDonald's, and, and, and we got a Happy Meal, and we got a, a milkshake and a, and a sundae, and I let her order whatever she wanted, and she got a I'm looking at her, and she's 15 now. And I'm thinking, really? Is that Man, it seemed like just last year we were at McDonald's getting a Happy Meal. How many of you know what I'm talking about? I'm going to tell you, man, it, it, it goes by quick. And people look at their wife, and they'll say, you know, I'm going to do this someday. Before you know it, windows close, and times come and go, and we procrastinate. We fell in two areas. We fell with procrastination and we fell in prioritization. Am I right about that? Time runs out. You know, people die. Sometimes you look at people in your relationships and you say, one of these days I'm going to go just spend some time with my mom. And listen to me. If you're not careful, your mother will pass on and you've never done it. And you'll have that to live with. People change. People in your life, they just change. They, what you enjoy doing as a teenager isn't what you're going to enjoy doing in your 20s, 30s, and so on. You know what? Let me give you this too. People move on from you. You've got good friends that you used to be very close to. And then you've let years pass without speaking to them, talking to them, or making a point to get with them. There was a time when there was no awkwardness. Time that you could be together and you could just cut up and laugh and talk and, and spend hours together. 
Then you let time go where you have not invested and kept up with it. Then you come back together. Then you realize, oh no, she's changed. No longer is she really that interested now because you've gone off the radar. Now where there used to be this dispute, without, it was an effortless thing. Now it's awkward. You go try to stay with her and you're going to stay a week. After two days, you're ready to go. It's awkward now. It happens between kids and their parents. There was a time when our kids lived in our house and they were at home. They can move out and come back and literally it's, it just doesn't feel the same anymore. We have to spend time with people we love. We have to invest because people die and people change and people move on from you, man. The awkwardness then comes and there's no comfort zone anymore. If you're one of those that's always putting off your relationships, one day you're going to be in regret. You're going to say, I remember when we were so close. Now when we get together, it just feels awkward and forced. and it's not, You're not a part of the routine of my life or my part of yours. If you value it, now sometimes there's relationships you're willing to let that happen with. Some of you have good friends that maybe have moved away, and you mean to call them. You think, well, I'm tired, I'm busy right now, I'll call them next week. And then the next week, I'll call them next month. Then the next month, before you know it, years have passed. Now, that sweet relationship you once shared, if it's not maintained, will become an awkward relationship at some point. Some people are just lifelong friends, and it, it's just that way, but most people, it's going, to, it's going to be altered. Let me give you a second road to regret in your thinking if you're not careful. This is a big one. Are you all ready for this? Better buckle up. I'm going to probably ring some bells here. You've got to get me a dab of courage here. A little shot of courage, amen. It's the mindset that says this. Their character is strong enough that they will endure my behavior. Did you hear what I said? It's the mindset with everybody you know. Their character is strong enough that they will endure my behavior and still like me, love me, and put up with me. I'm going to tell you what, this happens a lot in marriages. It happens a lot with parents toward their kids. It happens a lot with kids toward their parents. Well, my mom loves me, so it don't matter how I talk to her. She'll love me anyway. She'll put up with it. I can talk to her like a dog on the street, but you know what? She's strong enough, she'll put up with it. You trust that, that person that's in a relationship with you. It is the trusting that their patience, their mercy, their grace, their goodness, and inner strength, devotion, and loyalty. All of those things are required to have a relationship. Am I right about that? Can you have a relationship without loyalty? Is that a doomed relationship if they're not loyal to you? If you date a woman and she's not loyal to you, that's a doomed relationship. Amen, guys? Hey, what about patience? How many of you requires patience to be married to your mate? My wife's raising both hands. She's having a Holy Spirit fit over there. Woo! Hey, it requires it. In the best of scenarios, it requires a lot of patience. And buddy, when you live with people, there's a friction that all, it's just there. People get in huge fights over who didn't put the lid back on the toothpaste and who didn't hang the clothes back up and why is your socks laying right next to the dirty clothes hamper? 
Why am I crawling in bed and finding your dirty underwear laying underneath my pillow and things like that? Hey, what in the world? I mean, you didn't know to put it in the hamper? You threw it on the clean bed? What in the world? Why did you throw a soaking wet towel right on the bed? I mean, these are things people get in fights over, big fights. You drove my car and then you didn't put gas in it. I got up to go to work and it was on empty. You get in big fights. It's not huge things. It's not blowouts. It's a lot of little slow leaks. And we trust that the people in our life are going to have the patience, the mercy. When we do something stupid, well, we know they love us, therefore they're going to show some mercy here. We know they're going to have some grace, not give us what we deserve. They're going to have goodness in their heart toward us. We can be big jerks. They're going to be good, though, because that's their character. They're good people. They're good. You know, she goes to church every week. She's supposed to forgive me. She goes around spouting all that Christianity junk. I know I hurt her, but you know what? She's, doing, she's worse than I am. She's worse than what I did to her because she's not going to forgive me. And we're, we're putting this idea that people in our life, we're trusting that their strengths, their strengths, will cause them to put up with our insensitivity, our pre-Madonnaism and divaness. Amen? I, I see women that sometimes treat their husbands like trash, like he's some kind of little servant running around like, you know, carry my purse. And why did you park the car so far away? You're not caring about me at all. Honey, you're supposed to put the chair. Why did you put the chair there? Don't you know that the, the air is blowing on me? And you're not looking out for me. And I've seen men just walk around, kind of like, remember, remember on, the, on the little house in the prairie? Remember that guy that owned the store and he had that really obnoxious wife? Remember that? Harriet? Nelson, is that her name? Olson, Harriet Olson. Man, I hated that woman. She was always talking to him like he was just some little kid, you know. He'd just walk out, yes, dear. You know, people do this. And they treat people like, you're lucky to be with me, and you're lucky to have me, and you're the one that's blessed with me being in your life. And we trust that their goodness and their strength, their character, well cause them to put up with our insensitivity and our hatefulness and our stupidity, our selfishness, and often even the mistakes that we make in these relationships. You know, a dog is probably known more than anything for its loyalty. Would you all agree with that statement? Dogs are incredibly loyal. But even the most loyal of dogs will run away if you beat it, mistreat it, and treat it like it's unwanted. You starve it. You'll come out one day and that dog, the symbol of loyalty, will have found a new home. Now, listen, there are people in our life that we value, but often we do not treat them right. And we just believe in our heart. We can be hateful, but their character, they'll always come back. They'll always treat me right. I can... I can answer their love with hate, but their, their character is strong. They're not going to... Listen, she's a Christian woman. She doesn't believe in leaving, so I'll treat her bad. She'll stick around. You're going to be on a road to regret one day. And you might be surprised at people's breaking points. You know, we talk about how Jesus forgives, but we're not Jesus. God has the ability to take sin and cast it as far as the east is from the west and remember it no more. God has the ability with His matchless grace to look down upon people that have hurt Him over and over and still love us. But my friend, you are not God. 
and you're not married to God. And there is no way you can expect people to have the matchless grace and mercy that God has. We try to, we want to, we try to, to achieve this kind of, of living. But the truth is, you and I do not have the ability to forgive and forget as God does. We choose to live with it often for the sake of our love, for the sake of our devotion, but you're really going to be on a road of regret if you're relying on their grace and their mercy to keep your relationship together because you can be as bad as you want to be, they're strong enough to handle it. You might come home to an empty house at some point. You might be calling a line that no longer answers your call. You might be sending Facebook messages to people who no longer respond. You might find that you've been blocked. Being in a relationship should be a blessing, not a burden. It should never be a test of our virtues to endure knowing you. Did you hear what I just said? It should not be a test of your inner strength to know somebody. Where every time you're with them, you walk away just trying to think of Christian virtues to handle this person. You ought to be around people that when you walk away, you feel refreshed, sharpened. A wife is given to a man to complete him. And God, guys, God has given you a wife to love and to cherish. That relationship ought to be overall refreshing. It ought not be a strength of your wife's character to just stay married to you. And I know men that have had wives and they treat them like dogs, but they're depending on her strength to keep their home together. I think that's very foolish, and I think you're on a road to regret. You may wear them out at some point, and then you're going to be left with the fruit of your ways. Are we all still friends? By the way, we've all done it to some degree. There are people, maybe we just weren't sensitive to it. We thought, ah, they'll get over it. Which is my third point. Here it is. They'll get over it. That's your mindset with everybody you know. You might end up on a road to regret. They'll get over it. They'll love me anyway. They'll forgive me. They'll understand. Again, you're trusting in their strength. You might be surprised at their breaking point. Number four. Here's a mindset many people have ruined in their relationships. And you're going to be in regret if you live this way with everybody. It's the mindset of, I have to always do what's best for me. Amen? I always have to do what's best for me. You know, the Bible makes it clear, greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friend. It's a demonstration of love when you allow your love for somebody else for them to be able to put you out. Does that ever happen? There's what you want do and what they want to do, you're going to be on a road of regret if you're not flexible and you're not bending and you're not sometimes sacrificing for the sake of people you love. Anybody out there this morning? I have to always do what's best for me. Sacrifice is so crucial in a relationship. It must happen at times. There has to be times when people look at it and say, I know that's not what they wanted, but they did it for me. 
I know they did it for me. Sometimes, men, we need to make sacrifices for the sake of our wives. Things that maybe we wouldn't want to do, but we know that's what they want. Maybe it's not the couch you would have picked out, but you know that's what your wife wants. and You put her needs above you in that area. Or maybe it could be as simple as you want to go to Cracker Barrel and she wants to go to Olive Garden. I know people that have to have their way on that stuff or they'll sit and sulk and be mad and irritated the whole night. I've seen family nights wrecked by teenagers mad because they didn't get to go to Taco Bell. The family went to Burger King instead. And I've seen literally family fights break out over something that simple where it escalates. People have to have their own way. And sometimes you get your way and get your way and you get your way and you build a, a big divide between people in your life. And you're on a road to regret if you're not flexible and pleasing the people in your life. It doesn't always have to be where you want to go. It doesn't always have to be what you want to do. People in your life need to know that what they want matters to you too. Is that true though? I mean, am I, am I off the wall here? It should matter. Number five, you're on the road if you're doing this all the time. If you're saying they will understand. Now, what am I talking about here? A little different from the other point. This one is about all the excuse givers. All the excuse givers in a relationship who always have an excuse why you can't come to anything they're having. They have a birthday party for their child. You always have an excuse. They have a graduation. You always have an excuse. They have a 50th birthday party and Everybody that they know is invited, but you're not going because you always have an excuse. Meanwhile, you want them at your kid's graduation and you want them at your husband's 50th birthday party and you want them to come. To... These are people with a lot of excuses. Does anybody know somebody like that? Now, I want you to remember these three quick facts. Remember, when it comes to excuses, it does not mean, number one, that they buy it. You can give them excuses, doesn't mean that they're buying the excuse. Sometimes they accept it, because what choice do they have? You obviously don't want to come. What are they going to do, make you come? So they accept that, oh, I understand, that happens. By the way, we all have to use excuses once in a while, so you ought to use them sparingly. You shouldn't have an excuse for 10 years straight, every single time. At some point, you better go back to the previous point, and give in to what they need once in a while. Sometimes you need to look at it and say, they've invited me the last six times to a family thing and I didn't go, I'm going to have to make this one work. Even if it means I've got to cancel something, if this relationship means something to me. Especially since they've been to my last four things. Sometimes you may legitimately be busy. Sometimes you may have to take the hit if you want to maintain that relationship. But there's people that just everything, well, they'll understand, and I'll give them an excuse. It doesn't mean they buy it. Number two, it doesn't mean that they respect you for it. Did you tell them you couldn't come? Yeah, I told them. Did you tell them why? Yeah, I told them. What they say? They said, okay. He handled it with some class. Now, again, that may be the other person's character showing there. Doesn't mean they respect you for it. Doesn't mean they don't see through it doesn't mean that they buy it. Number three, it doesn't mean that they're not hurt by it. And people that are excuse givers in a relationship all the time, you're on a road to regret at some point. 
Because you know what? What comes around goes around. They may show some class. They may let you off the hook. But at some point, they'll have enough. And then here's the tragedy. Here's where the regret will come in. They're going to leave you out. They're going to quit inviting you. Because they don't want to get hurt by you. So you're going to be marked off their guest lists and their invite lists. They're going to quit coming to your things too because the only way... Listen, you go the extra mile, but at some point you get bitter when you're doing giving to here and they're doing the giving to here. some point, if you don't want to be bitter, and this is just how it works, you're going to have to bring it down to equal or you're going to be mad all the time. Am I talking truth here? Now, here's somebody you had a great relationship with, but you kept giving excuses and excuses and excuses. Now, all of a sudden, they're no longer inviting you to their family events. Hey, y'all had a party for, for Sheila last Saturday? Well, what in the world? Nobody told me. Well, you hadn't been nothing in five years. We just decided to leave you out. Like, this is going to be the one you would have come to. By the way, if you study the Scripture, that Jesus uses this very scenario with a king who had a party for his son, a wedding party. Remember how everybody began to give excuse? Remember how the king was wroth about it? He saw it as disrespectful. Well, I'm going to tell you what, my friend, your friends will see it as disrespectful after a while, and you're on a road to regret. Because one day you're going to be wondering, well, how come I'm not included in their stuff anymore? And how come they don't come to any of our things anymore either? They don't even respond to my text room. You better watch this. Somebody say amen, I'll go to the next point. I have 37 points, so I've got to hustle. Give you something to worry about here. Number six, they will endure being taken for granted. Lots of people have that mindset. They'll endure being taken for granted. I don't need to show them thanks. I don't need to stop and praise them. I don't need to notice them anymore. I don't need to value them. Sometimes our relationships are a lot like that toy that you wanted for Christmas that come in the magazine and you'd look at it and circle it and pray for it and show your parents that and then Christmas morning would come and your dream would come true and that new toy would be there. You were so excited for about two weeks. Then that toy was left out in the yard and in the rain and your dad found it with the lawnmower in the, in the, in the spring. But there was a time when that toy really mattered to you, and you wanted it, and you felt that every bit of your happiness and joy was wrapped up in getting that toy. Maybe it was a toy pistol, or a cap gun, or a basketball, or a football, or whatever. But it ended up, at one point, it had the highest spot in your toy box, or on your shelf. Then there came a day, you don't even know where it's at. A lot of our relationships start off like that toy. Then they just end up taken for granted. We just figure they'll endure it. You know, sadly, the main way to show people what they have often is to take it away from them. Sometimes the way to show people what they've got, you have to sometimes take it away. So they'll appreciate it. You parents ever done that with your kids? Well, you obviously don't appreciate it, so I'm putting it up here for a while. You don't take care of it. We got you this puppy. You don't pet it. You don't talk to it. You don't feed it. We're going to give it away. The kid starts crying. Oh, no, I'll take care of it. Sometimes in our relationships, people in our life say, you take me very for granted. Here's what I'm going to do now. This has to happen. You no longer have my relationship. How do you like me now? 
then you're sitting somewhere saying, baby, come back. You can blame it all on me. I was wrong, and I just can't live without you. Number seven, and I'm just about done. You guys ready for me to be done? Allowing emotions to dictate how you treat your relationships. You're going to be on a road of regret. If you run your relationships according to your moods, you're going to wear people out. If you're allowing anger and spite, which always equals evil action, and hurtful words. The Bible says that hurtful words come out of an angry mouth. Many people allow their emotions to ruin and bring regretful words and actions to their relationships. They do things just to hurt people because you're mad. You listen, well, I was mad when I said that. You'll get away with that a couple of times. But eventually, people say if it's not in your heart, it wouldn't be coming out your mouth. I hate you. I wish I'd never met you. I wish you'd drink poison and die. You might get away with that a couple of times. My wife said that to me one time. I'm just kidding. She didn't say that. She said, I'll shoot you. That's what she said. She said, you don't need to take care of it. I'll take care of it for you. I'm kidding. That, we're just having fun. We're just having fun. That, that conversation never happened. But I know where it does, and I've had people say those things, and I've had parents have said to their children, and you, you never think you'd ever say this when you're holding them as newborn babies, but I've heard people say, my mom told me that she hated me and wished I was never born. Whew. You know, you might get away with that. I was mad when I said it. I didn't mean it. You might get away with it. But there are people who every time they're mad, that's what spews out of their mouth. You know, studies show that if you tell somebody long enough the same thing, they believe it. You can take the most beautiful girl in the world, a model, beautiful girl, and tell her she's ugly every day. She'll grow up believing she's ugly. Often she'll end up at the throes of a man who treats her horribly. A lot of men, it is a, and this is horrible, men do not do this. This is not right, it's wrong, it's wrong. A lot of men will consistently berate their wife, make her feel that she's ugly, make her feel that she's useless, make her feel that she's stupid, and it's a way that they believe she'll always stay. She doesn't believe she can make it on her own. If she doesn't believe anybody would ever have her, what man would want you? Well, obviously you want her, or you did at one time. Listen to me, guys. God's not going to bless that. And you're going to end up on a road of regret. A happy wife will bring a happy life. And by the same thing, women in, in, in reverse. You build your husband up, he'll, he'll go to, to hell and back for you. You make him feel like a man. You make him feel like he's cherished and loved. and You praise him for being a hard worker. You do it with your kids. They bring in an 80 on a test, but they did as good as they could. You praise that 80. Put it on the refrigerator and say, man, that's better than the 62 you got last week. You're getting better, son. They're going to want to please you. So often kids say, the only time my parents ever notice me is when they're yelling at me. Am I right? Man, we've got to not take people for granted. Don't allow these emotions to dictate how we talk to people and treat people. When you're angry, you've got to step away from the situation. Parents, don't spank your kids when you're mad. Make it a rule in your home. When you know you're mad, you send them to the room till you calm down, or you may say, I'll deal with it tomorrow. Let me think about it. 
Don't talk about it with your spouse when you're extremely angry. Nothing but useless arguing will come out of that. And we've all done it. And we say things we regret. And things that, by the way, will come up in the next 15 arguments 15 years from now. Well, I remember that time you said you regretted marrying me. And you're like, honey, that was 12 years ago. Yeah, but if you didn't mean it, you wouldn't have said it. And you're like, I've said I love you 78,000 times since that one time that I said this. But it's programmed right there. Man, we've got to control our emotions. And I'll say more about that on another morning. I'm wrapping it up here. I believe this is my last point. Are you all ready for it? My last point, but I've got to say, those were seven fine previous points, weren't they? Weren't those good? Those were seven good points, weren't they? Here's number eight. I will worry tomorrow about the decisions I make today. I can fix it. I won't get caught. They won't care. They won't find out. Hey, you're on a road to regret once you start thinking that way. Are you on a road to regret? In these eight mindsets that I have thrown at you, these are legitimate mindsets that many people are governing their relationships with. And they're wondering why they're ending up alone a lot of times. They wonder why a lot of their high school friends no longer keep in contact. They wonder why a lot of people don't respond to them. They wonder why they're off the invite list. If you will stop and study your behavior concerning them, you may find that you're guilty of one of these eight things or a combination of them. What is the answer? It's always the same answer. Who knows the answer? It starts with an R. See it all through the Bible. It's the word repent. You know, we don't just have to repent to God. Sometimes we have to repent to each other. The word repent means to turn from and stop doing. Sometimes when you realize you've been doing this to people, you've got to repent of it. Sometimes it means going to your wife and saying, Honey, I've taken you for granted. You do all these things. I don't remember the last time I even said thanks or even noticed it. Maybe it's going to your kids and saying, I've handled you emotionally but I realize it now and I'm going to do better. And you can restore a hurt relationship through repentance, but it's the only way to restore. The only way to restoration is through repentance. I want you to bow your heads this morning.